as well. Um, you can join us in spaces and request to chat in here. You can also join us on the Dog Central YouTube channel or wherever else you would like to. So I uh, hope we see you somewhere. And I know we have our Dog Central subscribers that will be asking some questions as well. Um, lots going on in the UGA world, in the college football world. Um, I think probably a good place to kind of start would be recapping um, Georgia's transfer portal season. Uh, probably, obviously, the biggest kind of piece of news in terms of outgoing guys has been um, A.D. Mitchell, obviously hitting the portal last week, heading out uh, to Texas. Um, not super shocking. If, if you know, we, we talked about this back in December. I think the week after the SEC championship game, we started talking about this on Dog Central that there was a chance he would leave. Um, don't want to get into all the kind of details he said, she said of that situation. Uh, but I do think you know it's kind of a, an interesting thing to have happened when you couple it with the Ra Ra Thomas news of this morning. Obviously, we don't have all of the information there yet. We don't really know what has gone on. But, um, you know, kind of <laughs> you put all of it together. And uh, much like going into the last couple of seasons, Georgia's back into having an ex-receiver uh, question mark, I guess. I wouldn't call it an issue. I think that, you know, Georgia is. but you definitely do have guys in here that you know are, are gonna be capable of playing and have played in big moments in their careers and you know are proven commodities um again we don't know what's gonna happen with Ra Ra Thomas I think trying to speculate on that would be a waste of time but um I don't know I, I'd love to get Josh to weigh in here uh Josh is obviously co-hosting with me tonight AKA dog stats. Um, he wrote a really interesting article over the weekend about returning production um, guys with 60 plus BFF grades and uh, in the 60th plus percentile of snaps taken at their position in the country. So Josh, curious to hear your uh, kind of perception on UGA's receiver room. Yeah, it was um, pretty interesting to see that not only, what Lovett and Rara brought to us in terms of experience, but their quality of experience. And that's kind of what I'm going through is 
trying to beat everybody to the returning production and where you just see percentages of defense, percentage of offense coming in and actually talk about the quality of what's returning in terms of and putting numbers associated with that as opposed to just percentages and stuff. And certainly uh, Love It was Love It and Brock Bowers make up the two players on a, on a roster that have 80 plus PFF grades, which basically as, as you think about PFF grades, 60 per, 60 grades are considered quality and not uh, just above replacement player starters, if you will. And then 70 gets you to sort of that elite status. And then 80 is sort of NFL pro uh, quality talent there. So love it year from last year and Brock Bowers, I think certainly in the SEC were the only two with that had um, as many targets, 60% of the targets for wide receivers and tight ends in the country and that 80 PFF grade. Rob Thomas was uh, like a 67, but he had a lot of snaps. And I believe Graham, I, I can't, let me just, I can't, lost my spreadsheet but i believe a lot of those were at the at the you know wide position so okay. yeah um so he and we again you, we're not going to talk about the case in terms of what's going on there there's a lot to be told but certainly right now as it stands i don't think you can necessarily pencil in rara as a player this year for georgia so with that it does it definitely is going to take a hit we were we were leading the sec and returning uh, receptions and targets um, near the top of the league and returning passing or receiving yards. So, um, you know, they're going to have to figure out that, which they will. But, um, yeah. So, it, yes, but if you check that out on dogcentral.com, you can see um, I, I posted sort of the number of players that, that came in uh, or returning this year with 60% of uh, percentile snaps and 60-plus PFF grades. But if you go to the forum, you can actually see the SEC breakdown of who's coming back in the skill and all those positions. Uh, or no, I think I just did the skill. I think I did running back and wide receiver. So I'm going to update with the offensive line and defensive players um, this week as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, kind of looking at the receiving room, I am wondering, uh, you know, is there – I don't know. You've you've kind of looked at some of these comparisons of returning production so far, and obviously we have another transfer portal cycle ahead of us after spring practice. So all of this is subject to change, so to speak. But like, where do you feel like you know, just from a pure kind of numbers stat standpoint, Georgia falls in terms of returning receiving production because that that's historically been a marker for you know teams being successful the the higher percentage of returning receiving production usually the better um i think we're looking pretty good even if rara is not available to to uh to to play for georgia this year uh you've got brock bowers who had 82 targets and a pff actually brock had a 90 pff grade 942 yards seven touchdowns uh dominic lovett comes to georgia from missouri 76 targets and a pff grade of 83 uh, with 800, 800 yards. Um, and then the next guy that falls there, you got uh, Jackson, Rosemary Jackson, um, who still had, a you know, had 43 targets. But if you look at um, the rest of the league, you know, uh, Antoine Wells returns for South Carolina at 92 targets, but the next guy, the next leader is 46. Um, you know, Neighbors certainly is one of the best in the SEC returning, but he's got a hundred targets, but you look behind him, there's not a lot there. 
Um, and then, you know, Arkansas is really, really, I mean, not that we're really worried about Arkansas if I can be that way, but, you know, certainly Alabama is going to have to find some folks to step up um, this year. And Tennessee has been really ravaged in terms of their attrition this year. So um, if you're asking me how I feel about the returning production at receiver position, quite good. Cause I think everyone is going to be, I, I think Georgia's ahead of everybody, even if, if Thomas can't, uh, ends up not being part of uh, the team this year. Yeah, it's interesting to look at because, I mean, Dominic Lovett was the SEC's leading receiver in the regular season, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, from a – like, I always look at this yards per route run uh, stat that PFF does a really good job with. And if you're talking small sample sizes, throw it out. But for guys who, you know, are starters on their teams and – play a ton of snaps i mean dominic lovett had almost 300 receiving snaps this year which is a ton like especially considering he only played i believe in 12 games um he had a like i've always looked at the yards per route run is 2.00 yards around run is usually your kind of benchmark for like elite to high level receiver play um dominic lovett with brady cook throwing to him Keep that in mind. Um, 2.94 yards per route run in 2022, which is like a, a very high, high, almost kind of insanely good number. Um, like when you look at Georgia's roster this past year, um, Arian Smith, you can't really count, but like nobody that played full-time you know, played in every game basically as a wide receiver or played, you know, 150 plus receiving snaps was anywhere close to that 3.0 yards per route run. Uh, Brock Bowers is 2.37 yards a route run to kind of put that in perspective for you guys. McConkey, 2.16. Interestingly enough, you know, A.D. Mitchell, 1.56 in 2022 and 2021 which, again, that's a small sample size in 2022. He only played in three games. But in 2021, 1.66. So he, you know, um, obviously, like, a very talented receiver. But losing him is more, I think, losing, like, a guy that is talented. But, you know, he only played in a few games for Georgia last year. Like, you're not talking about losing a guy who the offense ran through last season. I, I just think it's interesting, like, in all of this conversation about who or what is going to be on the roster next season, I think probably uh, variable is, is Georgia keeping Todd Mockin because Georgia, you know, lost George Pickens before the 2021 season went on to win a national championship. They lose A.D. Mitchell for, I think, 11 games in 2022 and go on to win a national championship. Um, obviously, Rosemey, we talked about earlier, like a very, very solid wide receiver, um, really good at like deep crossing routes, but not a guy who uh, is graded out really superbly over his career or, you know, especially since the, the injury against man coverage. Like he's not somebody that's going to burn a defense. He's really savvy, I think, at finding holes in zone coverage and, and finding spots to sit down. But I guess, long story short, um, I would agree with you. I, I think Georgia has options, and we've seen Todd Monken kind of scheme around 
this would be a good spot to maybe transition. And Deuce Robinson. But looks like um kind of situation is you want that X receiver and it's like people That's, yeah, that's definitely a position. last couple of years in terms of, you know, people either really, really liked him or, you know, sometimes felt like maybe he was, he was holding things back at that position. But uh, after what George has done the last couple of years, like I, I think you can almost say with a level of certainty that like every guy that's going to come next at quarterback at UGA is going to be stud, a four or five star, you know, with all the physical tools and physical gifts. But um Rayola is a guy like we're, we're like we all get in the habit of getting excited about recruits because recruits they always represent like pure potential right and they they always kind of um I don't know like they're they're still the unknown and so you, you never know what they're going to be but part of that not knowing what they're going to be allows for I think some excitement from a lot of people but 
I say all that to say this, like Rayola is a dude among dudes. Like he is maybe the best quarterback prospect we've seen in high school since like Trevor Lawrence. I don't like, I, I think that's, you know, definitely a, a fair statement, if not an accurate one. Um, so you, you see him starting to trend towards Georgia a little bit. And, you know, when he decommitted from Ohio State, there was a lot of speculation around, is he going to, you know, go to Nebraska where his uncle is the offensive line coach, I believe, uh, or, you know, what's he going to do? And right now it looks like it's, you know, kind of Georgia and USC, but it feels like Georgia has a pretty, you know, I don't want to say they have like a lead, but it, it feels like maybe they have a leg up right now or things are trending his way. Um, you know, he's been very active posting UGA related things on social media, which, you know, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but like all the intel there is positive right now. Um, and I think he is one of those recruits, uh, much like kind of Arch Manning was for Texas, that if he pops and ends up committing to Georgia, which I don't have any intel on when he's going to commit. But if he does, you're talking about like historic, potentially historic levels of skill talent that are going to follow him. Um, and I think it's very interesting just, you know, Stetson became Georgia's first ever 4,000 yard passer last season. Uh, I know that, you know, Georgia wasn't throwing the ball a lot in the fourth quarter of most of their games because of the leads they have. But like, I think they erased a lot of the kind of previous like recruiting narratives around UGA being, you know, a place that doesn't develop or necessarily use wide receiver talent. Um, and I think, you know, that offense that Georgia put on the field and put on tape this year is the reason why a guy like Rayola is now interested um. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I, th- I think it's one to watch because it's as far as off season storylines go. Talking about, uh, you know, I know some people are like, I don't follow recruiting. I'll keep up with these kids when they get on campus. But like, this is one of those where if he commits to Georgia, it does have a very significant ripple effect, and it's one to watch, even if you're not necessarily like a recruit, Nick. Um, because a, I think he's. You know, if he signs, he's automatically the, the most talented quarterback to come through Athens since Matthew Stafford. And you're talking about a lot of wide receiving talent that is going to come with him. Um, you know, I, I've heard, like, I believe, who is the 2024 wide receiver? Um, 2024. Bear with me for a second, guys. Um, I believe it's the number one. Number one uh, ranked wide receiver in the 2024 class, kid that is currently Jeremiah Smith. Yeah, um, currently committed to Ohio State. He's a five star, six three hundred eighty five pounds, out of Opelika, Florida. Like, if he if, if Rayola commits to Georgia, then I think Georgia gets Jeremiah Smith on campus for a visit, right? And so, like, those are the type of things that that may start happening. Um, also in that 2024 recruiting class is uh, Ellis Robinson, the fourth. Uh, he's out of IMG Academy. He's a really sharp kid. We got to interview him on 100 Sanford last year. Um, he set a uh, commitment date of February 1st today. 
I expect him to go to Georgia. I would be very surprised if he doesn't. But um, you start going down the 2024 class and, you know, you have Rayola on the board there, the number one overall player. But, like, the number two player in the class is K.J. Bolden, Georgia product. Number six, Sammy Brown, Georgia product. Number seven, Mike Matthews, Georgia product. Number eight, Ellis Robinson, soon to be Georgia commit, more than likely. Um, The – 2024 recruiting class in the state of Georgia is, I think, as good as we've ever seen. You've got Landon Thomas already committed. He's a tight end. He's the number 22 player in the class right now. Uh, King Joseph Edwards was on campus for that, uh, for the the national title celebration. He's, you know, 6'5", 242, I would imagine. I think he probably projects as an edge uh, for UGA, but like top 25 player in his class, like the amount of in-state guys that you're looking at Georgia chasing already that are, you know, top 50, top 100 players. I don't know that there's ever been more in the state. And I think just the way the tea leaves look right now that Georgia is probably lining up for like, I I think that this 2024 class that Georgia puts together might make a run at the the class that Texas A&M had. Uh, a couple of years ago that was the highest rated ever. So um, if you don't follow recruiting now would be a, probably a fun time to start doing it uh, just because, you know, if, if winning one national title didn't already have Georgia rolling on the trail and to be clear, like Georgia recruiting really, really well is what created these back-to-back national titles to start with. But um it's it's going to get, I think, even scarier for UGA over the next couple of recruiting cycles. Josh, do we have any questions or comments or any any thoughts from you or anything like that? Well, Steve dropped in uh, in the uh, I don't know the comments of the space. Did you see that that Juice Robinson is being visited by one Lincoln Riley? That doesn't uh, is surprise that... me. I mean, no, he's def- I yeah. I mean, USC is definitely still in that recruitment. Um, and you know, I, I like. I mean, he he's an Arizona product, right? Like, you know, uh, it's not not too far to get from LA to Phoenix. Um, I still think Georgia has the edge there, and I think it's good. You know, Riley being in home tonight with him or this week makes getting. Deuce on campus this weekend, even more um, significant, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I like, you know, I should always add the caveat that, like, A, we're talking about, you know, teenagers, and B, now that there's the NIL equation of, you know, college football recruiting, like, just any of these can turn on a dime. You know, nothing is done until the names are on the dotted line. But I still just, you know, from what I've heard, from what Jason has heard, um, you know, Jason's our kind of recruiting expert over at dogcentral.com. Like I still feel very good about where Georgia is in it. At the end of the day, we can't get them all. <laughs> it's like, right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, we, where we came from and from 2015 and 2016 is just remarkable. So, you know, let's, it, I, 
yeah, br- give me all the tight ends, but I mean, like, <laughs> you know, come on. Uh, Paul Paul jumped into the YouTube chat and he was talking. He's asking about Dan Jackson, David Daniels, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it just what are your thoughts on those guys' roles in the uh, in the secondary next year? Yeah, um, I'm definitely. I know you. I know you and uh, and um, Craig are going through some defensive stuff that's going to drop this week too. So this is kind of good segue into that. For sure, yeah. Uh, Craig Lawson and I have been working on a little joint article to post. It'll be a, a free post on Dog Central for you guys this week, kind of a projected defensive depth chart going into spring practice. Um, I think when you look at uh, Georgia's 2023 roster on defense, probably the biggest question is, you know, is that safety spot opposite of Starks? Like, you get Lasseter back, you get Bullard back. Um, you are going to have to have another boundary corner step up, but, like, you've got so much talent stacked in that room that, you know, you almost wish you had more more open spots to play, guys. Um, I don't have – you know, spring is going to be interested, interesting because, like, Dan Jackson definitely has the experience and is, is relevant to mention that, like, he has – beat out David Daniel before, you know, for playing time. Um, And, you know, I mean, he was at least good enough to be on the field in a lot of situations this year before he broke that foot. Like he was out there in certain packages when Georgia was going six DBs and, um, you know, Malachi Starks is just a freak of nature. So losing your spot to him is not really a poor reflection on, you know, anyone as a player, but I, I do think, you know, right now, David Daniel is a guy that you love the way he plays the run. I think you saw him grow up a lot this year, and you watched him kind of reach a higher level of understanding with coverage schemes. Uh, you know, there was the play at the end of the South Carolina game when Georgia gave up the touchdown where he kind of got fooled on a play action and bit down too hard, and they threw the ball over his head. And you used to see him kind of come into games and have some of those plays and then you know you fast forward and uh he was on the field for some pretty important moments against Ohio State in the second half of that game like you know he did some really good things and was on the field against some good teams and definitely was not exposed as a liability uh I don't know that his upside as a coverage player is quite as high as some of the other guys on the roster um you know you have Corey Thomas who was you know, a four-star in last year's class and was on the field some in the national title game in the second half. Like, you know, he seemed to kind of be the 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 next in line uh, when Georgia would, would fully rotate out Smith and Starks last year. You kind of, you know, you, you tended to see Thomas and David Daniel come in. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him at least compete for that position. Um, I also would say watch out for Julian Humphrey. Uh, that's, you know, that's a guy that, a lot of people thought might transfer, you know, we, we reported on dog central that like, I think he kind of grew up a lot this season. Um, maybe didn't come in and, you know, I mean, it is hard to adjust to college, right. Especially when you have a 40 hour a week job called playing football. Uh, and I think maybe that learning curve for him was a, a little steeper at first than for some other freshmen, but like he, 
he caught up quick and he assimilated really well into Georgia's culture and I think took a lot of like responsibility and understanding and started doing things the Georgia way, so to speak. Um, and he's, he's still there. And he's a guy that I've had, you know, sources tell me Georgia's staff thinks he's talented enough to play significant snaps on that defense next year. So that would be kind of the X factor that I would say to keep an eye on. Um, and you obviously have smoke Bowie that just came in as well. I think there's a lot of people that think he, he might challenge for that safety spot. So, uh, like every position at bat, uh, battle at UGA right now, uh, at least it feels like, you know, there's a ton of talented guys that are going to battle it out. I think it's also important to keep in mind the way that Georgia played and, and the way they open the season next year with, you know, kind of four pretty simple games. I think you're going to probably see multiple guys thrown into the field with the, the first team in that safety role opposite of Starks and you're just going to probably evaluate them in game, but we'll definitely keep you guys updated on the position battle and what we hear coming out of spring practice. <clears throat> um, Josh, I am curious if you have any thoughts or takes on the transfer of Tresman Marshall, either from a returning production standpoint or, you know, you kind of mentioned back in 2015, 2016, that era, uh, you know, like I remember being at the 2015 Georgia-Alabama game and walking uh, down at field level before kickoff and realizing that Georgia was about to get, you know, thrown out of the building, so to speak, just looking at the, <laughs> the difference in uh, size and <laughs> on the line of scrimmage. But, like, Mo Smith came to Athens in 2016, right, was a reserve for Alabama and immediately became one of the, the best, you know, two or three defenders on that Georgia roster. Like, are we starting to see that paradigm shift a little bit with, you know, Georgia um, reserves maybe, you know, going off to a, not just Nebraska or Miami or, you know, some of these other P5 schools that are a tier or two below where UGA has been, but, like, is this now happening at Alabama or, or is that, you know, maybe making too much out of one thing? I don't, I, I, you know, first off it's talking season again. So I think we can make as much out of stuff like this as we want. Um, <laughs> we need context. And, well, and, and it is definitely, I don't know. I mean, clearly Alabama and Georgia and Ohio state are all at the top of, of the elite teams for sure. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, where we were as a team and personnel wise uh, in 2017 is where Alabama is because they're not, um, you know, but it is interesting to see that, um, that we've got guys that can't get on the field um, and they're finding spots um, in Alabama. It's, you know, if you can't be proud of that as a Georgia fan, then yeah, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you should be proud of that. Honestly, it's like, and you know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm cheered for the kid, but I don't want any bad to happen to him. But yeah, he chose Alabama over us. Sure. So yeah. It's like, you know, all right, let's, let's go, let's go kick, go kick their ass, you know? And uh, so, but yeah, I definitely think that that is significant uh, point to this narrative of where Georgia is and what Kirby has, has done in terms of talent and, 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 and retention, you know, he's getting the guys that, that he's making the right calls on guys he needs to play and, and to keep on the field. And, you know, some of the guys, you know, go out attrition and Marshall is one of those kids that, 
that he may find better. It may be better for him over there. And I don't think we were going to miss him. Um, you know, you, you don't want to see anybody go that can play in the SEC at that level, but you can only, like I said, you can't have all the players. <laughs> but, yeah. But, well, I mean, you know, Marshall, I think, is a good player, right? Like we saw him do plenty of good things for Georgia this year, but he also was, you know, fourth on UGA's list of inside linebackers in terms of snaps taken. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he was tied for 18th on the team in terms of uh, snaps played on defense. So like you're talking a guy that, you know, is a very much a reserve player. Um, I do think yeah. he is a very good cover backer. I'm sorry, go ahead. You know, I was going to say he had 170 snaps, did have a, a PFF grade of 67. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's that's quality stuff. But, yeah, not, not you know, yeah. He, we can, we, we'll be able to fill in. I mean, linebacker at D2. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, no, no, you're totally fine. I, fi- I finally pulled his stat up, so I wanted to at least use him. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I just think like you, Georgia just assigned three of the top five inside linebacker recruits in the 2023 cycle. Uh, and you already heard Kirby Smart like shouting those guys out for how they, how they ran TCU's 3 3 5 in the lead up to the national championship game. He was talking about CJ Allen. Uh, and, you know, what's really interesting, like, I, you know, I think Marshall's role on that defense was if Georgia came up against a like a running back or a tight end that was particularly problematic in coverage for, you know, uh, like, don't get me wrong, Mondin is obviously a freakish athlete who does plenty of good things in coverage as well. But, like, I, I thought, you know, Marshall was kind of that guy that, like, if Georgia had to face a Kenny McIntosh type on the other side of the field or a James Cook type on the other side of the field, like – Marshall was the dude that could come in and match up with him, and you wouldn't have to take Mondin out of the middle of the field because he did so many things well in terms of stopping the run and spying on quarterbacks and delayed blitzes and zone coverage. But you just signed Troy Bowles, right? Which, like, if you go and, you know, flip on the tape of him, like, that kid has – so many clips on his high school film where he is 20, 30 yards downfield. And he's like, not just in coverage and, you know, doing a really good job and flipping his hips and playing the ball, like a a defensive back, but like there's times where he literally baits high school quarterbacks into throwing him pick sixes as a linebacker, which is silly. But um, point being like, I get why Alabama brought him in because what's been the weakness of that that defense for the last few years, I mean, there's been a, a couple, but like a big one was, you know, you could abuse Toto in the passing game. If you got, you know, a running back matched up on him, that that was good receiving the ball out of the backfield. And so I like, I get why they'd want him, but um, it is a little wild to see, you know, a guy who probably, probably was maybe going to get, you know, less snaps next year than he got this year because of the talent coming in and, you know, Alabama needs him or wants him. I, I highly doubt he went there with, you know, without some assurances of like, you're likely to see more playing time. Um, other kind of transfer portal, uh, you know, NFL type stuff. I'm, I'm curious, Josh, are, are you 
Um, are you going to adopt the Nebraska Cornhuskers as your Big Ten team of choice this season? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> but but uh, um, it, it, before we jump to that, because it is a good topic, and Harry's bringing it up in the chat, uh, Alabama looks to be by my first to be returning the fewest uh, defensive snaps in the SEC. So wow. it's no, yeah, um, it's it's definitely they've got a lot of guys they got to uh, they're going to have to fill in. So um, it's. It's a, it, the fact that you're replacing that many, it is Marshall's definitely a, a great asset for them, you know, with experience and, and, uh, and that's with, that's with Marshall's, well, I mean, 170 snaps, it's not that much, but yeah. So I'm not surprised to see, you might see some more guys, um, especially after the spring portal, maybe come in and, and try to be, contribute for Alabama. So yeah. Okay. So it's uh, Gilbert and tell me the other two, just totally brain farted on who's, who's uh, to Nebraska. Eric Gilbert, Jacob Hood, who was, Kind of more of a developmental offensive line prospect that Georgia signed. You know, he's only been on campus, I think, for a year, but he's like a 6'8", 350-pound kid out of Memphis, three-star offensive lineman. And uh, MJ Sherman, you know, who's yeah. been on the team yeah. forever, um, but never no, really and, back the lineup. I'll say a little bold prediction that those guys – at least MJ, uh, I, I don't, you can't, I don't know. I hope Gilbert gets on the field. I really do. Uh, but you can't really count that. But I can see MJ becoming a key contributor. And it'll be very interesting to see uh, what, a guy that didn't necessarily find as much playing time as he wanted to see what he can do on a, on a mid big 10 team against other mid big 10 teams and see if he can uh, fall out. I can, I kind of see that. I can see that happening for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, you, you definitely wish those guys success. And um, it is just that, like, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, Miami pulled Tyreek Stevenson out of the portal and Florida State pulled uh, Jermaine Johnson out of the portal. And both those guys showed up at their new schools and were immediately the best players on those defenses. Um, and so I, I do think, you know, there is a – it's indicative of what, what George is doing. And – I think it's also interesting, you know, so far Georgia's only taken two guys out of the portal. Um, we obviously, as we mentioned, as we opened the show, we don't know what's going to happen with Rara Thomas. Uh, you know, he may not ever play a snap or, you know, officially practice with Georgia. We'll see. I don't know. Um, but like it says a lot about, I think how good they feel about this 2023 roster that, you know, they, they they identified maybe one one area of need at wide receiver, and looked across the rest of the you know roster and said I think we're good. Like I don't think I saw Georgia offer a defensive player in the portal. I don't think I saw them offer anybody that wasn't a wide receiver in the portal at all. So um, you know I think if you want to compete for national titles in this day and age, you probably don't want to be taking eight to 10 guys out of the portal every year. Maybe you, you know, lightning strikes and everything falls your way and you do end up competing for a national title. But if you're trying to, you know, turn over what basically amounts to a third, you know, maybe 40, 45%, 40% or so of a usual 25 man recruiting class in the portal every year, then either your evaluation is wrong or your recruiting is not good enough. see here we're i think we're caught up in the youtube questions anybody have any questions in the spaces we we're trying to, to do this so that people on youtube and twitter can get in here so if you've got any questions there is a request you want to take it it is 
Tyler Williams, you want to? Yes. Uh, sure. One second. I got him. Tyler. You got him. I think so. Tyler, uh, he is connecting as we wait for Tyler. Anybody else? Uh, hey, Tyler, can y'all hear me? Welcome. I, yes, I, sir. Sorry about that. So, I don't know if y'all already touched on this, but this is something that's been on my mind. Um, how much of a nightmare scenario is it if Gunnar Stockton balls out in spring practice and plays really well on G-Day? I know Kirby and them aren't going to name a starter after spring practice, but I'm sure the team's going to know what's going on. Yeah. Um I don't know that it's a nightmare scenario. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's a guy that the staff really likes. Like, we heard all year, you know, Stockton prepares like a starter. You know, I had a couple updates on the Dog Central subscriber forum at, at different points where, uh, you know, guys were saying, like, he probably watches more film than anybody on offense than Brock Bowers. Um, so, I mean, if you have a kid with that kind of pedigree, that kind of four or five star pedigree that is sure like that, then I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, Even for the depth chart, I, I, I would imagine Vandegrift and Beck are probably going to be looking at where they're at. And I would imagine if Gunnar Stockton is looking like the starter, it'd be hard to think that they're going to stay, right? I would think, I would think, you know, maybe if if one of those two guys, which I, I think it's much more likely to be Vandegrift than Beck, uh, you know, let's say Vandegrift feels after spring that he's, you know, solid third in that race. I wouldn't be shocked to see him hit the portal. Um, I've actually heard, you know, some people connect him with uh, Wake Forest potentially like if things don't work out for him this spring, maybe he uh, goes and takes over uh, Sam Hartman's old spot. Again, that's purely speculative, but um, yeah, I, I think, you know, you don't want to be back where you were in uh, 2019 where you've got two scholarship quarterbacks like, like you did Fromm's final year. But uh, you know, there is another transfer portal cycle after spring. Uh, I think, Georgia really wants one of those guys, one of those three of Vandergrift, Beck, and Stockton to step up and grab the reins and act like a starter and look like a starter and play like a starter because you are handing these quarterbacks like the keys to a Ferrari, right? Like the, the receiving room is stacked. The tight end room is stacked. You're going to have a Marius Mims protecting your blind side like – your defense is not going to go out and give up much to, you know, more than a couple teams maybe in college football. So, yes, like you, you got to have. So I, I think maybe for Georgia right now at quarterback, like the intangible stuff, you know, the the off field uh, showing up consistent consistently with the the right attitude and you know holding your teammates accountable and knowing the playbook like I think that stuff is probably going to be more important in determining this whole quarterback battle than the you know who's got the biggest arm and you know who can maybe you know make all the throws uh because I I think you know Beck and you know Beck's Beck's got a a cannon. He can make the throws. Vandegrift, 
We know he's got legs. We know he's got a big arm. I don't think his accuracy has been there, you know, at least in practice to this point in his career, but maybe that, that flip or that switch flips for him. Uh, and then Stockton, I think, is like kind of, you know, the one where from an intangible standpoint, I think like he kind of showed up on campus and immediately started acting like you want your college quarterback to act. But, you know, does he know the offense? Does he have as big of an arm as those other two guys, et cetera, et cetera? So and there's going to be a lot of dynamics at play. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, intel drops in the, in the dog central forum about our quarterback situation <laughs> coming through. Uh, well, yeah, I, I do. I have been told already that, uh, you know, both Beck and Vandergriff, like, have, you know, kind of, I don't know, just seem locked in, you know, or, or sort of in that, like, mentality of head down, focused, you know, taking extra reps in the weight room, that kind of thing. Um, Thank you, so. Tyler. Thanks for bringing up the quarterbacks. We couldn't do a space without it. Good question. Yes. Um, just before we get to CS, who's queued up, it's uh, coming in on the spaces. Anna McCarthy in the YouTube did point out that we talked about Smoke Bowie, but we did take uh, Smoke Bowie on defense as a transfer. On That's that. true. So You're correct. Good, uh, good, good call, Anna. And here comes CS. I'm going to – how do I unmute him? Yeah, my uh, there we go. You hear me? Yeah, awesome. Thank you, man. Yeah, what's up, man? What you got? Yeah, you know, not really worried about the quarterback situation. Um, the weapons and Munkin will take care of that, in my opinion. I just my one hole that I see on the roster right now is not the ability to replace what Kitty Mack and before him James Cook did in the, the passing game. Um, any chance we we dip in the portal there? That's an interesting one. Um, I think. I think what's interesting is to go back and watch the tape of the national championship game and see how Dejan Edwards was used in the passing game uh, against TCU. Cause you know, he, they checked the ball down to him a lot. Like they, they did some interesting things. I don't think he's, you know, I mean, Kenny Mack used to line up in the slot, but I mean like that touchdown play that Georgia had on the, uh, the throw to McCocky where he was wide open, like Dajan was lined up in a bunch set as a wide receiver and came in motion. Like he, he was lined up as a receiver at times in that game, which is just, I don't know, something to note, I think, because we hadn't seen that to this point in his career. So I don't know. I'd always heard he's underrated catching the ball. Um, he's definitely like shifty. I mean, Kendall Milton is not going to, you know, cut on a dime on an angle route and shake a linebacker out of his shoes. More, more like I, maybe that happens against somebody, but I, he's not going to do that week by week. But like, he is good for you know a wheel route or something. He, he can catch the ball, I guess that's I should say. But um, I just I don't I don't see Georgia going in the portal at running back unless there's an injury or something that happens in the spring, and one of those guys is going to be out because like. I, you know, I don't know. We don't know what Branson and Andrew Paul can do from a receiving standpoint, but I would be surprised if they went in the portal for a running back. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah appreciate it. Thanks for jumping in. Look at that pro spacer right there. Jump in on mutes, get back out. <laughs> Josh, do you have any like insight from any of your numbers on the, you know, any of the I was, that, that when, receiving stuff? Yeah, when I was looking at the um, 
receiving stuff. It was and the running back positions. It was interesting to see how much Dejan played. You know, I mean, I knew we saw him a lot and we we loved what we saw, but it was interesting to see with the volume he got. So, um, and I remember talking him up in the preseason. So I shouldn't be surprised, but I do don't see him. And maybe maybe it's just uh, you know I'm not a X and O's guy, so I I don't think he brings the same skill set that that um that Cook did in 2021 and what McIntosh did last year. But, you know, with a year of weight training and, and you know, maybe he builds his body a little differently to get those snaps, you know, because I think there is like every spring, you know, there's positions open and you, if you want playing time, you've got to go earn those spots. So I don't, maybe Dejan can get that role. Maybe he can be seen out running in the slot, you know, uh, you know, motioning out of the backfield and trying to create mismatches there. So, yeah, um, I, you know, I don't see Branson doing that, um, and I don't know if Milton can. You know, if he's, uh, you know, one of those guys is going to do it because we've seen Monken. That offense is is pretty electric when you've got that mismatch out there that can that can run between the tackles and also go get on a linebacker and and go take one to the house for seventy yards. So, uh, I but do. I was again, I, I I was surprised to see how much actual volume that Dejan got and and played very well when and when Milton was banged up in the middle part of the season. Yeah, I mean, I do think like if you just look at his receiving stats, I mean, he was only targeted 19 times. He did have 14 catches for 101 yards. But what is interesting is he was on the field this year for 148 plays where Georgia passed the ball, and of those 148 plays he ran a passing route on 119 of them. So, you know, he's point being, he's not being asked to stay in and pass protect a bunch. Um, Is that a product of him maybe not being the greatest pass protector? I don't know. I'd have to go, you know, dive down a little bit deeper wormhole of, of his tape. But, you know, if he's on the field and a pass play is called, he's running a route over 80% of the time. And he did actually line up in the slot this year 16 times, which is, yep. you know, and, and he lined up out wide 11 times. So that means of those, what, 119 receiving snaps, uh, about a little over 18% of those 119 involved him at the slot or, or out wide. Um, so maybe there's more to it than I know, but I just, there, there's a play in the TCU game where he was the check down and I believe it was maybe a, it was the second or third and seven around midfield, and he came out of the backfield and ran kind of like a a little bit of a, a short out. You know, it wasn't a, a, a true out route. He didn't, like, cut 90 degrees to the sideline. It was almost like a, a short corner um, or an outside slant. But, like, he catches the ball in stride. He creates separation on the linebacker, which, again, those TCU linebackers were kind of big and – uh, you know, they're not SEC linebackers is all I'm trying to say. But um, I don't know. I think he's got a little more juice as a pass catcher maybe than than people realize. Yeah, it was, like I said, that volume, 19 snaps is uh, – or 19 targets is not insignificant for, for that guy. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised to see him uh, maybe – like, yeah, I hope so. I'd, so – He's 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 been there in the program and it's solid and doesn't make a lot of mistakes that you want to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm really interested to see what Andrew Paul is. You know, maybe we hopefully we get a glimpse of him on G Day, but like 
there was a time, you know, last year where we were hearing that, you know, he was looking like more likely to to see snaps early in the season than Branson Robinson. And we know that Branson Robinson is a an athletic freak. Uh, so it it will be interesting. But, um, you know, it seems like Milton and Edwards are going to be kind of that, you know, 1A, 1B in 2023. Um, so something to watch for sure. Um, anybody else have questions? Do we have anything else that's jumped in the YouTube chat? Not that I see. Um, Josh, do you have any other thoughts that you want to get in before we wrap this thing up? No, no, I think, um, we had a good talk and would love to love the interaction from YouTube and on the spaces. So we were going to try to do this more regularly. Um, we always welcome feedback on how this is all working. We always appreciate you letting us know when stuff's not working and try to fix it on the day. So we did get our YouTube audio sorted out. So with that, maybe we'll just save it for another night. If, uh, if you're good with that grandma and we, we, gave an hour's worth of stuff so that ain't nothing no it's not um yeah i mean lastly just we want to really encourage you guys to check us out on dogcentral.com uh we still are running our holiday special you can get a year of dog central for 60 bucks that's five dollars a month that's less points than georgia scored against tcu in the national championship game um you know come and check us out I am about to post uh, kind of my first like Intel update on things I'm hearing about the 2023 roster and some of the early enrollees. So hope you guys will, will join us there. Um, really enjoy doing this kind of format with you, Josh, and, you know, being able to talk to some of you guys live on air and also uh, go out on YouTube. So going to try and make sure we do this you know once 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 a week or so maybe a little more often um during spring practice if there's stuff to talk about um but thank you as always for watching and listening and consuming our content and thank you josh for making this happen 